Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today I want us to consider the nature of faith as we look at Hebrews chapter 11. Now Hebrews 11 is a well-known chapter in the Bible and we are sometimes confronted with the question, well, what is faith? And automatically people will repeat verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now, that's a description of faith. I'm not so sure that it is a very good definition of faith. So what do we mean when we say having faith? Well, that's a multifaceted word. It has many contours of truth, and so a context has to determine a lot what is meant. So what's meant here? Let, let me read to you from different translations of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, and I think this will help us, okay? Uh, the ESV I've already read, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So their conviction is a, a proper word. The Amplified Bible uh, and the NIV, let me first with the NIV, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I think that's getting closer. Or this one, trusting is being confident of what we hope for, convinced about things we do not see. But here's the Amplified Bible, which can help us. Now, faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, things that are divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, that is, the conviction of their reality, Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. That's the Amplified Bible. Or again, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of the reality. Well, I think the primary idea behind faith is that of trust, of confidence. And it's only as good as the object in which it is placed. So faith is only as strong as the object that we trust in. Uh, James I. Packer in the Baker Dictionary of Theology, I think, helps us the most. He says the New Testament usage of faith, quote, conveying the thought of movement of trust going out to and laying hold of the object of its confidence. Now that's going to be God, okay? God in Christ. Or he continues, the nature of faith according to the New Testament, is to live by the truth it receives. Faith resting on God's promise gives thanks to God's grace by working for God's glory. Now, I think that's helpful. James I. Packer. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 and see something about faith. I'm going to read the chapter to us, basically, and I may stop and make a comment along the way. I think that by reading it and paying attention to exactly what it says, we might be able to disperse some very false concepts of faith that are very prevalent in our day. Because you see, many people think about faith as, as you convincing yourself that God is going to do something for you. So you keep declaring it to be the truth, and therefore God is obligated to do it for you. Now, I want you to hold that up against the Word of God in Hebrews chapter 11 and see if that holds muster, as we say. So 
So Hebrews chapter 11. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. Now, who's that from? It's from God. Now, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. That's faith as a conviction. You know, we weren't there at creation, but we have the testimony of nature and the testimony of God's revelation, and we believe it. We have confidence and conviction that God is the creator. Now, this is very important as we go along. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Now, Abel appears in the pages of the New Testament in which he is shown forth to be a great example of one who believes in God, in God's provision for the forgiveness of his sins. Then we read about Enoch in verse 5, but look at verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. To please who? To please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So the object of our faith, you see, is God himself. And specifically, from the New Testament perspective, it's God in Christ who is the object of our faith. Now, faith comes to us as saving faith. Uh, a friend of mine uh, defines that as the invisible substance of the soul that is a gift of God and which brings a person into saving union with God. That's saving faith. But Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about faith as the general principle of life of people who are related to God. And to know God, you must believe that he exists. If you don't believe God exists, how can you know him? If you believe God exists, then you may desire to draw near to him. But if you want to draw near to him, you have to believe that God not only exists, but that God is a person of his word, that God's character is trustworthy, and that you can deposit your confidence and trust in him and his promises and what he says. So let's see that worked out as Hebrews 11 goes on. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, as far as we know, it hadn't rained on the earth before Noah. The earth was watered by the dew that fell. We read about that in Genesis. But here, God tells him that there's going to be a worldwide flood. And he tells him to build an ark and gives him exactly what he needs to do, gives him detailed instructions. And what does Noah do? He believes God, he trusts God's word, and he gets busy building the ark. In reverent fear, Noah constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This conviction of things not seen resulting in obedience to the truth that was revealed. And then by faith, Abraham, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. But he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Now, what had God promised him? 
God had promised Abraham an heir, and yet he went for many years without a child. He and Sarah try diligently, but they could never have a baby. And now they become old, and they think there's no way this is going to ever happen to us. And yet God intervened, and they believed God's word. They acted upon his promise. But he was, and God promised not only an heir, a son, and many descendants, and a name, but he also promised him a land, the land in which he was sojourning. But he didn't own any of that land except for a burial plot for his first wife, Sarah, when she died. He bought it off of a Hittite, I believe it was. And later he was buried there. That's the only piece of Israel or Palestine that Abraham owned when he died. But he is commended for his faith, okay? He, he went to live in the land of promises as a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, who designer and builder is God. You see, he understood that God's promise of the land wasn't just tied into that particular plot of land where he was sojourning. But the, the scripture goes on to talk about what he was looking for. He was looking for that which God himself would give him. And it's defined here as a city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Abraham died in faith, and he is commended for it, though he didn't own much of the land, only a barrel plot for himself and his first wife. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive when she was past the age uh, to, to be able to conceive. She, she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Well, what's he talking about? Yes, he's talking about all the multitude of Jews that come through the line of Abraham and Sarah, uh, through Isaac and Jacob and the sons of Jacob. But he's also talking that Romans tells us about all the spiritual descendants that Abraham has. For those who share the faith of Abraham are the sons and daughters of Abraham. So as we read through this chapter, these words stand out. Hebrews 11, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For God, who is speaking thus, made it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it was, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Now, too often, we think about faith as something that we do that will somehow obligate God to do something for us. And so we, we condemn ourselves if what we pray for we do not receive, and others may say, well, you didn't have faith. But that's really not what this passage is really talking about. It's talking about the faith. Faith in God goes beyond the temporary and grabs hold of the eternal. Now, God does sometimes answer the temporary. Many times he does 
what shall we call it, temporary miracles of intervention in our lives, but they don't last. Though we may be healed from a sickness, ultimately we still die. Though we may be delivered from some particular trial right now, there will be other trials that come our way. This is the nature of life. It's the nature of relationship also with God. Hebrews 11 ends with these words, All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. In other words, God is waiting to reward all of those who have faith in him with the ultimate reward, which is the heavenly city, the habitation of God among men, in which we will be resurrected at the return of our Lord Jesus Christ in glory, and we shall live with him in that city that's foundation is God himself. This was Paul's longing in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. He says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Jesus Christ is Lord, and he is the ultimate prize of our faith. The treasure we seek is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And the great promise is to dwell with God in Christ on the new heaven, in the new heaven and on the new earth when he comes again in glory and majesty. And so, though our faith can lay hold of things now strongly, But they are temporary in nature. But there is something that is permanent and eternal. And that's the homeland of which God himself is the builder, the foundation, and the builder. Seek him. Seek him above all else. And you will know the reward of faith. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. And the next time, remember that God is the object of our faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you would like to contact us, you may do so by calling 214-324-9915 and leave a message for us, and we'll be happy to recontact you. Or you may write us at 8441 Honeycutt Road, Dallas, Texas, 75228. You can also access us on the web at www.gsccdallas.org. Until next time, remember God's word and have faith in him.